Thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. We know your life will be changed for the better by listening to God's word. If you'd like to know more about Trinity Beaumont or contribute to our ministry, please visit www.trinitybeaumont.com. sense that before when you're worshiping that the Lord was saying even for people who are watching online specifically somebody online so I don't know whoever's watching you know currently if that's you you're like yes I need a touch from heaven just felt very strongly that the spirit of the Lord would say like you're gonna get your touch from heaven today man we just thank you Jesus your presence is sweet speaking and moving and you desire to speak and move on us we just thank you we don't take it lightly we're so grateful we're a grateful people like right now in the good times and in the horrible ones I'm a grateful people we're a grateful people God because you're so good and that's it you're good you're always going to be good so we just thank you we thank you we thank you for your goodness we thank you for your goodness it is eternal It's forever. You're always good, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 
You give us the ability to laugh in the midst of chaos and all these crazy circumstances because you're good. Because you're good, you have the final word, you have the final say-so. So we just thank you. We thank you. We just thank you. We thank you, we thank you. We thank you, we thank you. You know, there's a song that we do, we do it here. It's called I Believe, and it says, I'm going to see your goodness in the land I'm living in. And that song is just, it rises up within me because I'm like, yes, that's me. That is me. That's me. I'm living in some good days. There might be challenging times, but I'm living in some good days because God is in my life. So we're going to see the goodness of the Lord. We're going to see the goodness of the Lord. And sometimes with you have to say it by faith. We're going to see the goodness of the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Excited. How many of you are excited to be in God's house this morning? Yeah, me too. Me too. Well, you can be seated if you'd like. Thank you, worship team. You're the best in the West and everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, instead of the table. Wow. Man. I wasn't prepared exactly to do all that, but God was moving. He is moving. Amen. Well, I'm so excited you're here. I'm excited to be here. Um, I'm going to be doing, thanks, Pastor Caitlin, you're the best. Um, I'm actually, so we were having our, our staff meeting as we do, and Pastor Andrew was like, you know, okay, well, if you guys have anything on your heart, like, let us know, and we'll talk about, we'll just talk about, you know, what to, what to do with it or whatever. What did you say? <laughs> yes, because I am pregnant, I will sit for sure. Anyway, and so, um, you know, around this time, because it's February, I know it's like cliche or whatever, but I'm always thinking about love, and because I'm me, I'm always thinking about love. <laughs> So I'm like, well, what a great time to talk about it in February. But specifically, you know, um, during our staff and leader party, the, the Wilsons, you know, our awesome pastors, they gifted us with this book. Um, it's called Keep Your Love On. In fact, this is one of my resources that I, I just, like, highly encourage you to get it. If you are, like, I'm a physical copy kind of person, you can buy it. It's on Amazon. It's, like, $12, I think. If you're an Audible person, I listen to books all the time. It's on Audible. It's on Apple Books. You can even listen to it on Apple Books if you want. But find this book because it's so, so good. But it's called Keep Your Love On, Connection, Communication, and Boundaries. And it's by uh, Danny Silk. I was going to say Pastor Danny Silk, but I don't really know. I know he's on the, t the senior leadership team for Bethel in uh, Redding, California. But really, really amazing book. And if you're taking notes today, you as you should be, praise the Lord. Uh, it's, this message is going to be titled, Loving Well, Part 1, Keys to Keeping Your Love On. So as I was expressing, you know, my desire to talk about relationships, you know, with the Wilsons in our staff meeting, 
I just have this burning, you know, in my heart about this subject just because I really feel like, you know, we are, well, first of all, relationships are vital to becoming a whole person, right? Like the whole thing of creation was that God wanted a family. And within family, that, that there's relationships. Can I get an amen? You know? That's, that's family. And so relationships are super vital to your, your growth as a whole person. And we can be the most um, spiritual people, the most gifted people ever, and we can walk in power and glory and all these beautiful things. But if you don't have your relationships intact, I believe you're out of order. I believe God believes you're out of order too. Relationships are super, super important. And so today we're going to be focusing on just like relationships between friends, right? I know how many of you are married? How about me if you're married? Woo, yes, love it. And I'm, I know we've got parents in the room, bless the Lord, and I'm a parent too. Next week we're going to be focusing on marriage and family. And today we're just going to be talking about just, just relationships, like your friendships, right? And when I was reading, or when you read Keep Your Love On, Danny Silk focuses on three parts, and I'm going to touch on those parts today. I have a lot of notes, but the Lord is going to help me get through them all. It's going to be great. But we're going to talk about connection, communication, and boundaries. Say, ooh, I know, interesting stuff. But before we get too, too far, um, I'd love to pray. So would you bow your head with me? Wow, and the Lord is here because the lights are on. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, Father God, we just, we thank you so much for your presence, Lord. We cannot get enough of it. We love to sit in your temple and to just be with you. And we're blessed that we get the opportunity to be in-house that houses your presence so well. Father, I just thank you that for those ones who came with a need, a desperate desire for a touch from heaven, I thank you that you would utilize me as your voice to facilitate that in this house this morning. I thank you for the words that you've given me to speak. I ask that you would bless those, bless those words. And anything that needs to be said, I thank you that it would be, and anything that doesn't, that it would fall to the wayside. I thank you, Father, for your fire also being in this house and for your glory, Lord. And I just thank you for every person in this room, that they would be receptive and open, and every person online, that they would be open and receptive to what it is that you would have to say. And it's in Jesus' mighty name I pray. And everybody said, amen. Also, if I have to, like, stop talking for a minute, it's because I'm 20 weeks pregnant and just the oxygen don't be flowing like it needs to. Moms in the back who understand, amen. <laughs> so the first part, so connection. Um, connection is, you know, very, very important. When you have relationships with people, you you connect with them. You maybe talk with them every day. You know, in marriage, like I said, we'll talk about marriage next week, but in marriage, it's choosing each other. Well, in your friendships, you also choose each other as well. We choose not just choose each other, but we choose to love each other because that's what the Bible says we're to do. And we can like people, but liking is a conditional state. You know, I like you today because you're doing all the things I want you to do. Tomorrow is questionable. We'll see. No, but to connect with people, 
We love people. Amen? And then th- there's this interesting concept that um, Danny Silk talks about. Oh, that's great. I think that's up there. Anyway, Caitlin made the graphic, and I just think she's amazing at all the things she does, and so I love it. Anyway, but he talks about this concept, and I think it's so incredible, and it's called, it's about powerful people. So whenever you're reading this book and he, he starts to speak about this, it's going to become like a light is going to turn on for you, or at least it did for me. So who are powerful people? Powerful people take responsibility for their lives. They take responsibility for their decisions. They don't use words like I can't or I have to. Because when you are using phrases like that, it means that you feel powerless to take responsibility for your actions. Sometimes, you know, we think that we... And another aspect of being a powerless person is that you maybe think that you have control over the boundaries that you set, but then you find yourself pulled in every direction because you're being powerless in your decision-making. You're being powerless with your yes or your no. So with this concept of, of being powerful, you, you are not just allowing life to happen to you. You are happening to life constantly. You don't allow things to just take you over or for people to cause your attitude and your love to be switched off. No, you make a conscious decision every day. I'm going to be powerful and love regardless of what you do or say to me. That's real hard. I mean, because it like that doesn't sound easy. Oh, just oh, thank you, my one, my one honest person, my other honest person. Thank you. That's hard. Why? Because I mean, sometimes I'm a, I'm a people too, so I'm not just saying people. People suck sometimes. Just to be real, like we're not fun to deal with. Sometimes I'm not fun to deal with. But I then remember. That every person that I come across, every connection that I have is a blood-bought, blood-washed child of the king. And if they can get it wrong, it also means they can get it right. And we need to keep choosing to keep our love on towards them regardless of what's gone on between you. Sorry, I'm going to take some water. So when it comes to powerless people, there's this, there's three things. It's like a triangulation system within Keep Your Love On that Danny Silk talks about as well. And there's always the victim, the bad guy, and the rescuer. And this is a a triangulation of powerless people. The victim is always in search for a rescuer that's safe and healthy. The bad guy wants control and intimidation to protect themselves or to meet their needs. And the rescuer takes responsibility over someone's life. So that's a a, a triangulation dynamic. But when you're a powerful person, you kind of eradicate those ideas. And you say, I will, I do, I, I can say no, you can say no and mean it. And when a powerful person says, I love you, they mean it and it won't change. Just like we were talking about before. You choose to keep your love on towards people regardless of what happens. So my question for you today would be, 
in your relationships, are you fighting for connection? And if you don't know, like think about your closest friendships, right? I have a few close friends in this room right now, and I always try to ensure that I'm asking them, like, hey, what do you feel is happening in our relationship? Are we connected? Do you feel safe? I know that sounds kind of like mushy-feely, you know, but truly, when you're around certain people, you know those people I'm talking about. They make you feel safe. They make you feel heard. You can do and say anything, and it's like, I just know this person's going to listen to me, and I don't, I'm not afraid to be who I am. Now, if you're not that person in every relationship, I think it's a good thing to just take inventory. Like, how do I make people feel? How are they experiencing me? Super, super important. And another thing, like, I was going to have the book up here, but I didn't, I didn't bring it from home. But another book that I would just encourage you when it comes to connection is the book by Gary Chapman, and it's called uh, The Five Love Languages. Have you heard of that? Yes, it's, an, it's a great, great book. So he talks about the five love languages, which I'm going to try to remember all of them. So physical touch, words of affirmation, uh, acts of service, gifts, and, what's quality and quali- are you quality time? <laughs> I knew whatever one I missed, somebody would help me. <laughs> But it's super important. So all of these ways that you experience love or that you give love are super important to know. Like, Andrew, what's my love language? Words of affirmation? That's one of them. What's another one? Quality time. (laughs) (laughs) I put you on the spot. I'm so sorry. So words of affirmation are one of my love languages, but my other love language is acts of service. (laughs) I knew you would get it once I said that. But it's important to know how people receive love and how to give love to other people. So I'll just explain kind of quickly what each of those mean. So quality time means you just want, it doesn't have to be tons of time. It has to be quality time. So people just want you to hang out with them. Just sit and do nothing. Just sit and talk or just let that person who is super quality time just be around you doing meaningless tasks. I'm not necessarily that person. I love people who are like that. Bless them. That's not necessarily me. Acts of service, however. Okay, I'm taking a breath. (laughs) And it doesn't help that I talk fast, too. So I'm trying to, like, slow down. (sighs) Acts of service people. That's me. I'm one of those people. You do the dishes without asking, without me asking. You fold the laundry. I just can't express to you how so loved I feel when people come to my house and they clean up after themselves. It is so beautiful. I could literally cry. For example, so Michaela and Faith came over to my house like two weeks ago or something because they were baking for their Honduras trip. They do this frequently and I don't care because I'm like, yeah, sure, whatever. And Michaela and Faith literally cleaned my kitchen so well it like could have sparkled I promise it was sparkling and I just went in and I was like I feel so loved and it's super important that we can address those things and you know what Michaela said well I do that because I know your acts of service (laughs) so she's she's keeping connection with me because she recognizes how I'm loved and then she does those things so that's quality time and acts of service people who are physical touch 
uh, Morgan Slaughter, she's physical touch. They just want you, they just want to hold your hand. Or they want to give you a hug. I'm not a hugger, okay? I don't want to be touched. However, <laughs> yes, I will hug you. <laughs> when Morgan and I first met, I just, it was so, it was weird to me, you guys. She just wanted to literally just do that. And so for, I would, I would go, okay, okay. Is, do you need anything else? No. And then she'll let go. I'm like, okay. <laughs> but that was how she received love. And the Lord even was talking to me about that. He said, you allow her to express that. That's how she receives love. I was like, oh, okay. And so now she, I don't even have to, I don't even think about it. I'll give Morgan a hug or allow her to hold my hand if she wants. <laughs> and I'm just like, that's cool, whatever. So my people that I know are physical touch, I flex for them. Another very important part of keeping connection. If you're so focused on you and how you're loved, how you receive love, how will you ever be able to keep connection with people that love differently than you? If I had just been like, no, Morgan, I'm not going to hold your hand. I'm not going to give you a hug. Then that would have stifled the connection that we have. And our connection is super important. My connections with all of my friends are super important to me. Why? Because I believe that God puts people in your life on purpose. And if he puts people in your life, you want to be good stewards of the relationships that you have. So you flex for them. You bend for them. You bend over backwards like love does to become what others need you to be. So we've done physical touch, quality time, acts of service. Oh, and words of affirmation. Yes, so Pastor Andrew Wilson, just in case you didn't know, he is words of affirmation. You can tell him he's amazing all day long and it will be the best thing ever. Or I always try to remember like, oh, hey, service was really awesome today. I'm going to text Pastor Andrew to tell him. So just keep that in mind. Your pastor is words of affirmation. Um, and that's basically, that's kind of the gist of it. Oh, and gifts. Thank you. <laughs> gifts. I used to be gifts. But I'm not, I, I think like I'm kind of, right? So if someone takes time and like, hey, I got this for you because it made me think of you. I'd be like, melt. That's so sweet. But the gifts person is normally like, it doesn't matter what gift it is. It could be a pen, okay? Like, hey, I found this pen and I just thought, I just thought, Lacey, you should have it because it just made me think of you. She would melt into a puddle because I'm pretty sure that's also one of her love languages. <laughs> so loving each other in the ways that you experience love is super important. So again, Gary Chapman, the five love languages, because we want to love people on their level. We want to connect with them on their level because we always want our goal in our relationships to be connection. Or just me, it's fine. So, that was connection and being a powerful person. Powerful people keep their love on, right? Regardless of how others treat them or speak to them. And another thing I'll say too is I mentioned this uh, in another meeting with some leaders. 
When you have a connection with someone, you know their heart. You've heard, you've had conversations with them. You hear what they're about and you trust them. You have, you've built rapport with them. Whenever there is a temptation for strife, right? Because the enemy hates connection. He hates if we're all on the same page and we do connect with one another. Whenever you have connected with people on such a level that you know them, like, for example, Caitlin and I. I've known Caitlin for a long time. I know her heart. And if ever there is temptation for strife, I can look past that moment and say, okay, what is really going on? And continue to keep my love on and allow the discernment of the Holy Spirit to help me figure out what's actually happening. And then I can even go to her and say, hey, so I kind of felt like this and this and this was happening. Was that really happening or what was going on? And then that gives opportunity for her to say, oh, no, I'm so sorry. I was having a bad day. There's so much going on, X, Y, Z. And then instantly connection is restored. How many of you are like, you don't like conflict? Like you don't like to deal with conflict. All right. Honest people. Love that. But I would just encourage you that if you don't take time to express how you were feeling, to express how you were hurt maybe, or maybe how there was misunderstanding, you're actually not loving people well. It requires us to not have the fear of man, right? To allow God's love to really permeate us so we can have the courage to say hard things. Because that's our next point, which is communication. Being a powerful person in communication means you express the needs that you have fearlessly. So before we get on to even talking about like good communication, let's talk about faulty slash powerless methods of communication. So method number one, and this is talked about in great length in this book, and it's so good, like you really like, Emphasis again, you should read it. So passive, not fully honest about their own needs, believing they're just servants to those they love, but are really lying and cowardice. And they're motivated by the core belief, I matter, or I don't matter. I don't matter. You matter. I don't matter. And then there's aggressive, the core belief of the aggressive communicator. I matter, you don't, which is motivated by selfishness. And then there's passive-aggressive, which is the core belief, you matter, no, not really. (laughs) I know, isn't that terrible? (laughs) It is the worst of the faulty communication styles. The passive-aggressive, it's the worst of the passive communicator and the worst of the aggressive communicator. And they're all motivated by selfishness or motivated by fear. And the root of every one of these is that I'm not going to get my need met, so I'm just going to either shrink back and say nothing, but all the while get angrier and angrier and angrier because I've said nothing, or I'm going to be super aggressive and you're going to meet my need whether you want to or not, or passive aggressive. You're devious. You manipulate because You're not sure how to get your needs met, so you're going to do it the way that you want to do it, which is all not okay. The root of that is fear. 
and perfect love casts out fear. So let's go to 1 John 4.18. And I'm reading it in the Passion Translation because I think it says it really well. It says, love never brings fear, for fear is always related to punishment. But love's perfection drives the fear of punishment far away from our hearts. Whoever walks constantly afraid of punishment has not reached love's perfection. So whenever we're communicating with others, if you are living or communicating in a fear-based way, that means that you're not fully aware of how much you're loved. It means that maybe, and maybe in some ways you do, I'm not just saying you just don't, you don't know God's love, but maybe there's a deficit or a gap, like Peter Lewis would say. There's a gap in your belief about God's love for you. And so then you don't communicate appropriately. And guys, I can't express this to you enough. You must communicate your needs to people that you love. You must It is not love. We've already established it isn't love to be silent and to say nothing. And for your core belief to be, I don't matter. It's fine. It's okay. These are the people that are like, hey, where do you want to eat? Oh, I don't care. It doesn't matter. We can eat anywhere. No, it does matter because your opinion matters. What you want to do matters. Even if it gets shot down, even if someone's like, I hate that place. You should still express the need that you have, the desire that you have. Because again, God loves you, every part of you. And we need to be living out of that love. Oh, I'm going to get ahead of myself. I'm going to stay on track. And then I wanted to go to Romans 12, verses 9 through 11. And this is in the Passion Translation again. It says, let the inner movement of your heart always be to love one another. And play, wait, hold on, it's cutting off my words. So let the inner movement of your heart always be to love one another and never play the role of an actor wearing a mask. Despise evil and embrace everything that is good and virtuous. Be devoted to tenderly loving your fellow believers as members of one family. I love this next part. This is so fun. Try to outdo yourselves in respect and honor of one another. Actually, go back to verse 10, because I wanted to emphasize this. Lacey Taylor is one of the best examples of this that I have ever seen. Whenever someone needs to feel loved, like, she will go out of her way to make you feel like the most important person in the world. And I, I like, love that because I want to be like that. I want people to feel like, man, I'm so loved by Carrie. And it's just, and I want that to be also a picture of how God sees this person. Because that's our core motivation anyway, right? We're not just doing things to do them. We want to be good examples of his hands and his feet on the earth. And if you can get it right in your connections with your friends, with believers, man, that billion soul harvest will come quickly because people will want what you have. Verse 11. Be enthusiastic to serve the Lord, keeping your passion toward him boiling hot. Radiate with the glow of the Holy Spirit and let him fill you with excitement as you serve him. I included that one because I was like, how can you be filled with excitement to serve the Lord unless you're tenderly loving your fellow believers? 
unless you are allowing your inner, the inner movement of your heart to always be to love one another. And I also brought this point up because I won't ask you to raise your hand because we're all guilty of it sometimes. But sarcasm is not of God. It's not. It's not a good way to communicate. It's actually a form of passive-aggressive communication. And you can't be sincere. In the Amplified, it says, let your love be sincere. A, A real thing. You can't be sincere with your words and then sarcastic in another way. That's being double-minded. That's another form of being double-minded. God's not okay with that. If he says, let your love be sincere, a real thing, he means it. Now, I'm not talking about joking around, okay? But you can joke and not be sarcastic. In fact, one of the things that Pastor Cameron, you said many, many moons ago, I was a kid sitting in service, and he said, there is a bit of truth to every sarcastic word that's said wisdom. And it stuck with me. And every time I said something sarcastic, I went, did I mean any part of that? And oftentimes, I was like, oh, I did. (laughs) Sorry, Lord, I repent. (laughs) I'm just being real with you, okay? I wouldn't say that I'm an expert in this area, but I really do make it my business to connect well with others. It's really important to me because I feel it's really important to the heart of God. So if you want to stay connected, if you want the goal of your relationships to be connection, then I would honestly ask you to just search your heart. Are you sarcastic or is your love sincere? Is it a real thing? Do you tenderly love others? All right, Faith isn't in here. I was going so Faith Smith is our, our nanny for Isla. And she goes, So are you gonna read Rick Renner's 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8? Every time you preach, you talk about love and the heart. It's the two things you always you always tie it in somehow. I'm like, well, faith, because faith works by love. It's the most important thing, and your heart's really important. <laughs> so I threw that the love thing in there because we're talking about tenderly loving people, right? (laughs) I'll have to tell her later if we did talk about it. Another part of being a good communicator is being a good listener. So our world is like so fast-paced. I looked it up. I Googled it because I was really interested. It says that on average, Americans pick up their phones 96 times a day or every 10 minutes. And we live in a fully connected world constantly. Probably not you two, huh? (laughs) I saw you shaking your head faster. (laughs) The rest of us probably pick up our phone that many times. And whenever we're talking to people, how many of you get tempted to just... Yeah? Oh, really? Wow. I'm so sorry. Can you say that again? (laughs) you're not really listening if you're doing that and you're not fighting for connection when you do that we can take five seconds of our time to be fully focused to be fully in what someone else is saying to look them eye to look them eye to eye if you do which I know there's people in my life who they do this well hey I'm going to take a note I'm listening, but I'm taking notes on what you're saying so I can remember it. 
Even if you have to do that for just so that you can keep track of what they're saying, that's valuable. That's active listening. And we don't need to be listening to respond. You need to be listening to listen. <laughs> it's not rocket science, I promise. But a lot of times, how many of you are interrupters? Oh, sometimes I'm so bad about interrupting. And I'm like, oh, sorry, so sorry. You don't need to interrupt what people are saying. If it's super important, at the end, when you're done listening, for listening's sake, remember, naturally response can come up. Naturally, you can say the thing that you need to say. And you'll be heard. And I guarantee your interactions with people will go much better when we listen to listen. Amen? <laughs> How many of you guys are learning something? Or are you getting something? Good. My wife. Oh, it's on the wrong page here. And here's another aspect of being a powerful person, especially when it comes to communication. Well, really, all of these parts. You do not have the right to control anyone except yourself. So if you're communicating in a way, oh, <laughs> this is going to come later. This is actually going to come later, but that's very good. You're so ready, Christy. It's going to be at the end. I'm going to give you some keys to keeping your love on at the end. <laughs> but you don't have the right to control anybody but you. I think in the book he says, on a good day, the only person you can control is yourself. And I was like, yes. So if you're communicating with manipulation and coercion to try to get people to say what you want them to say, that's wrong. God Almighty does not even manipulate you. He doesn't control you. He didn't make you come to him and give your life to Jesus. No. Why? We were drawn to him. His love drew us in. And we wanted to repent. We wanted to get it right. So why would you and your cute little self think it's okay to try to change the narrative or try to get people to do what you want them to do? That's not right. And maybe, maybe that's not you. Maybe you're like, I don't really manipulate people. That's kind of, that's kind of deep. But coercion is kind of the same thing. We don't want to coerce people into doing what we want them to do. When it comes to my relationship with Andrew, I don't manipulate him. <laughs> Boy, you better stop. He goes, <laughs> no, but it's one of the things we talked about when we were dating. I was like, listen, I'm not going to try to get you to do what I want you to do. I'm going to ask you, and if you say no, I'm going to be like, all right, well, I was, all right, okay, okay. <laughs> we just move on. But we don't manipulate each other. And my friendships... I don't try to manipulate Caitlin or Demi to do what I want them to do. Or Lacey. We have enough of a connection that we can communicate and talk about things. And naturally, maybe they want to do things for me. But it's not because I'm encouraging them to do so. It's another very important part about communication. We don't want to manipulate people or control them, right? And then practice truth. Being vulnerable and honest with yourself when you're communicating with people, opens the door for communication and vulnerability on their part. So if you, and we're going to talk about this in boundaries, but if you got all these walls up, but you're like, hey, how are you? Let's talk. What's going on in your life? And I'm like, oh, you know, things are going well, but, you know, things, I've had a, a rough week. Oh, really? 
tell me all about it. And then I try to ask you the same thing. Oh, it's good. It's fine. I'm like, okay, okay. There's no connection there. But if I allow myself to be open with you, keeping my love on, regardless of what your response is to me, it will open the door to show that person, okay, I'm going to be powerful and express myself vulnerably and be okay with it. I think sometimes we like feel like, I don't know, there's like this weird thing about being vulnerable. Or maybe even like, well, I'm living in faith, so everything's great. <laughs> now listen, the just shall live by faith. The word says that, and I stand by that. It is okay, however, to say like, man, I'm being attacked in this area, or man, this was going on, you know. But can you pray with me? Can you agree with me that God is going to have the final say-so in this? There's a way to communicate what's going on and be vulnerable and open and honest, but still remain from a place of faith. We want to, we're not saying that these things have power over us. We're just addressing what's happening. But we also are addressing the fact that we know the way maker, and he's going to bring us a way out. And when you can connect with people and really tell them what's going on, guess what? It also opens the door for them to be able to be there for you in a much more powerful way. And much more than just, oh, I hope it gets better. No, hey, like, actually, when you said that, the Spirit of the Lord gave me a word of knowledge about that situation and this, 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 and that. And that. They could just give you a word just like that. But we have to be open to having those conversations. And also, too, God can't meet us where we're pretending to be. He can only actually meet us where we are. And if he's meeting you when it comes to connecting with people, he can't meet you where you pretend to be. He can only meet you where you are. Amen? Let's turn to Psalms 32.8. This is so odd. The printer cut off my words on my notes. Oh, nice. Thank you. It says, the Lord will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. So I thought that was a weird verse. I was like, what does this mean? Okay, your eye is on me. But I think it to mean that he can't control you with his eye. However, he can communicate how your behavior affects his heart. Which is, again, just like us. We cannot and should not control others, but we should have the, the boldness and the courage to express how another person, how we're experiencing another person. And when I say like experiencing another person, a lot of I statements, like I felt this way, I kind of felt, I, I this, I that, but never, well, you were rude to me, and you did this. No, because that is disrespectful, and that does not fight for connection. So when we can take responsibility into our own hands and take power back for ourselves, we can express, again, fearlessly what we're experiencing with that person. And how many of you know, like, when you can communicate things in a loving way, it takes all the bite out of the conversation. Have you ever noticed that? If you can just come to someone in your vulnerability and your honesty and say, hey, I was kind of feeling X, Y, and Z. You're being super powerful by taking responsibility of, of the situation and your own emotions, but also fighting for connection at the same time. 
And I can guarantee you that person is going to be open to you. And maybe in that moment, they're not going to be. But if you come with just love in your heart and your only aim is to connect with them or to stay connected with them, they're going to reciprocate that same thing. So with that, how many of you know conflict is going to happen? Even among the best of friends, you might have some conflict, (laughs) and that's okay. But you can have conflict in the form of respectful conversations. And so whenever you're in conflict, you need to make it your goal to identify and to hear the need of the other person. Like, hey, I really need to talk to you. Oh, okay, what do you need? What can I do for you? That immediately kind of like settles whatever anxiety might be running through that other person's mind. Because I don't know about you, but anytime I need to have like a, a hard conversation with like anybody, I'm like, hey, can I talk to you? And I mean, what? What do you need to talk about? What is it? Are you okay? Are you mad at me? And I'm like, no, I just was kind of feeling like you were mean to me. <laughs> it's, it's very disarming whenever you can say, yes, let's talk. What, what do you need? What can I do for you? And then you can e- express what you're, what you're feeling, how you're experiencing that other person without using you statements, remember? Because it's about you in that moment. So I felt this way. I think this. Do you care to hear more? And do you even hear how that sounds? Would you care to hear more? That even invites them that like, okay, this is not, I wasn't ready for this. So maybe the person can say, is it all right if we come back to this? That's allowed. In a respectful conversation, you're still not controlling their response to you. You're giving them a second to take in what it is you're saying. And then you're giving them the option, right? Options are very important to hear more of what it is that you have to say. And if they say yes, you continue. Okay, yeah, I was kind of feeling X, Y, and Z. And then it gives that other person the opportunity to say, well, I'm sorry, that's, that's totally not what I meant to do. That's not what I was trying to express. This is actually what I was trying to say. But I'm sorry that it came across this way to you. I'm sorry that it hurt you. And then you can go on. Now, for people who have experienced maybe some high levels of trauma, maybe, maybe you grew up in a home where yelling and fighting and powerlessness was the norm then I would just encourage you to get with a trusted person to kind of help you walk through what it will look like for you to drop those old defenses of powerlessness so you can pick up powerful defenses. Now, in conflict situations, if you find yourself boiling and you're going back to those old defenses, then you also have to face the consequences of what that means. And it's not the other person's fault. That's where, again, remaining powerful. We take responsibility for how we communicate, for how we express the needs that we have, but we do so in a respectful manner. And also, too, let's say you're on the other end of, you're on the receiving end of the conflict. It is perfectly okay and healthy to say, hey, I think things are getting a little bit disrespectful. What if we come back to this when we can both respect each other in our conversation? That's, there's nothing wrong with that. That's actually super healthy. And if you're like, wow, for me, when I read that, I was like, this man is just, what? You, you can do that? Because I had some, some old relational dynamics that I had to drop off. And I was like, no, that's super good. 
Because you're expressing two things. One, you're protecting yourself from walking outside of love with this person. But two, you're also setting a boundary. I will not communicate with you if it's going to be disrespectful. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I have certain family members in my life. I, this took, it took me a long time to gain hold of this truth. This family member would, I mean, just talk me into the dirt and just be very ugly. And I would just get my feelings hurt and then spat back to them. Well, this is what I think about you. And this is what I feel about you and all these other things. This is about two, two, three years ago when finally I was like, you know what? I do not have to take that from that person. I can love them and pray for them and pray God's best for them, but also be over here. And also, too, because now it took like two years. I think we're finally getting somewhere with this person, which is, you know, praise God for it. But every time there was a moment of disrespect, I'd say, oh, you know, that was a little bit disrespectful. Let's talk again when you want to be respectful. I love you. And then I went on. What am I doing? I'm creating space for them to recognize, like, hey, this is a boundary. And even saying, you can come back. We can still talk. I'm not cutting you off. But you will speak to me in a respectful manner, and I will, res- I will speak to you in a respectful manner. And that's perfectly okay. That's a good thing to do. We need to practice utilizing good, healthy boundaries with people. And that, let's, uh, actually, I'm going to go on, I think. Oh, there's one more thing I wanted to add before we move on to setting boundaries. So saying things like, how, how did I word this earlier, Holy Spirit? Well, one thing I'll just say, you know, sometimes whenever we hear people coming at us and it's about conflict, the temptation can be, well, you're a powerful person, so I didn't do any of that. Like, you, that was you. (laughs) The temptation can be, well, I'm sorry that that's how you heard me, but I didn't do that. (laughs) And it's like, okay, that's called deflection. That's not right. And so if if you've been deflecting or if you've deflected a person trying to express things to you, you're still wrong. (laughs) You need to listen fully to what people are saying. And you can even ask questions. Okay, so what I'm hearing is the way that I express my opinion about this really made you feel small. Is that correct? Well, yeah, that is correct. Okay, you know, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. I I would never want you to feel that way because I value you. And so I just want to just allow love that has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, like the word says, because we're all believers here, right? Allow that love to cause you to get with the Holy Spirit and how to invigorate those around you to be powerful. Because maybe someone really is coming to you with a powerless statement. But how you help them is say, okay, I hear your need. What are you going to do about it? That's not bad to say. What would you like to do about that? How can I help you with what what you're going to do? And it's not being the rescuer, right? We're not taking over and making it be this thing. No, but we're empowering that person to do what it is they need to do. 
instead of whining about what's going on. Because whining about what's going on is powerless. Life is happening to me. Gosh, that life, it's always happening to me. I hate to break it to you, but everywhere you are, there you are again. You're there. You're in all the parts of life. So we can choose to be powerful and say, you know what? This situation, I don't like this situation, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to choose to rise above this. I'm going to choose to get with God. This situation may be difficult, but this situation does not have power over me because the greater one lives on the inside of me, and I have power over it. Amen? So, wow, guys, I'm doing so good. I'm on page three of my notes, so... I was really stressing about getting through the notes because I really felt like God was speaking a lot on this. But now we're to setting boundaries. It's powerful people set boundaries. We are called to love everyone, but not everyone deserves to have equal access to you. So that's kind of super important to kind of talk about. I think I used to have the belief that, like, I'm an open book Everyone can be a part of my life, and yeah. (laughs) But then I started to really, like, get with God on it. I'm like, Lord, but does everyone deserve to be a part of every part of my life? And and that's not ugly or mean, but I actually, I had a conversation with someone that made me rethink this, and it was the most powerful thing I could have told them. It was a part of my testimony and how God moved in my life, and he did this beautiful, wonderful thing. And this person just kind of looked at me. I was like, oh. And then I was like going to repeat myself and how this was so good and powerful, and God was moving and working and doing all these things. Lights are on. Ain't nobody home. <laughs> I mean, they were paying attention, but that person actually didn't deserve that access. That place I was giving this person, they weren't worthy of that. Not worthy of it, but they didn't need that. Not from me anyway. Maybe they needed it from somebody else. But if I were to talk to Demi about this same thing, she'd be like, oh my gosh, yes, the Lord. He's working. He was doing things. And I'm like, yes, you see it. Good. But that's why we have to set appropriate boundaries for people in our lives. Everybody doesn't need the space that you, that you take up. And you need to discern who deserves that space. So like for me, I created a, a, a list of like my core circle of people. And number one, like first and foremost, no matter if you're married, single or not, is God. He is in your core circle. He deserves your devotion, your worship, Everything. He deserves all of you. He is your closest, anybody that anybody's going to be to you. So God is always number one. But then it'll be maybe your spouse or like a close friend, somebody that you confide in, and you're very, very close. But then, of course, when you get married, that person kind of moves down so that your spouse can be that for you. And then kids, and then close friends, acquaintances, And then maybe people at work or people that you minister to. The people that I minister to or that I work with, if I'm working in a secular environment, they don't need to know how God moved in my life every single moment of every single day. Or the revelations that I get from the word every day. God might call you to give that revelation to that one person 
And that's perfectly fine, but that doesn't mean that person needs to acquire your space all the time. That also means, like this happened to me, I got to practice this this week, which was, I was like, did I? And the Holy Spirit was like, nope, that was setting a boundary. And I was like, yeah, good job, me. There was a person who said, hey, I really need, I really need marriage advice. I was like, oh, okay, like, well, you know, let's set up a time to talk about that. And we can, do, we can do lunch or something like that. We'll set up a time to talk about that. She, and she was like, yeah, okay, that's fine. And then texted me again the next day because I wasn't doing what she wanted, I guess. And I said, hey, you know what? We can set up a time to talk about this, and it will have to be next week. Because I think what that person wanted was me to say, okay, let's do it today. Let's go out and I'm going to drop everything I'm doing to go and meet with you about what you need to talk about. And I'm, I'm expressing even what they wanted to talk about to show that it wasn't something small, something kind of large. However, that person does not, is not in my core people. And so I have to set boundaries for myself. Why? Because if I don't take time to get with God and allow him to pour into me as a vessel, I have nothing to give. And that is the same for us all. If you don't protect your own boundaries, your space, your time, then you won't have anything to give when those moments come up. And even though, like, I'm like a bleeding heart for people. Like, if you ask me anything, it is, like, so hard for me to be like, no. But it's not as hard anymore. Why? Because I value my own time. Why? Because I know that if I don't take time to get with the Lord, it's like being on a plane. You know how in the, in, when you're on a plane and the flight attendant says, you know, if the cabin loses air pressure and you're with children, please put your own mask on first before you put the mask on of other people. That will preach, everybody. You need to put your own oxygen mask on first before you try to help anybody. And God has all the oxygen. He has all the revelation that you could ever need. But we have to keep him first place. And another thing. So sometimes we think that, you know, oh, I'm good at creating boundaries. But you don't actually have boundaries. You have walls. It's very different. Like, yeah, I have so many boundaries with people. And somebody next to you is like, that's not a boundary. That's a wall. (laughs) Like, can't nobody get through to you. Nobody can talk to you. No one can correct you. You won't allow them space into that one area of your life because there's a wall there. That is not what I mean when I'm talking about boundaries. So we need to know the difference between a wall and a boundary. Boundaries are things you've set in place to protect connection, whether that's to God or to your space, or your time. Walls are areas of your life where you don't allow your full self to be seen or corrected. And that is not okay. When we wall ourselves away, we take away the space that the Holy Spirit can even move in and speak to us. Because a lot of times, I won't say every time, but a lot of times when we have walls up, The Holy Spirit has tried to get through to you. God has tried to get through to you. And he wants to use other people because you're not listening to him. But if you won't allow people in that space either, it's really, it's a very good setup for self-deception. 
Then you get into a space where you're not hearing God. You're far away from him, but he never moved. It was just you. So I would just really encourage you, know the difference between boundaries. Set healthy boundaries. Please, I beg of you, set healthy boundaries. But do not wall yourself away from the connection of others. And another really important part that I almost, I was like, okay, Lord, what else do you want to talk about when it comes to boundaries? And he brought this to mind. But before, I, before we talk about that, we can all, we're all in agreement. Our most important relationship is our relationship with the Father, right? And we take all of the parts of the word very seriously, right? So setting boundaries means that you honor the Sabbath and you keep it holy. You take time to rest. I think pastor's the only one clapping for me. That's okay. <laughs> because listen, in, Western, in the Western world, if you're resting, like money is leaving you. If you're resting, then your business is failing somehow. But the word actually says in Exodus, I think it's what? Exodus 20 verses 8 through 11. Earnestly remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, withdrawn from common employment and dedicated to God. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath day to the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work. Any work. Not even from your laptop at your house. Or from your phone. You or your son, your daughter, your manservant, your maidservant, this is basically everybody, everybody, you and your house and your kids, everybody needs to take a Sabbath. Your domestic animals, that, that one really got me. The dogs even need to rest. Or the sojourner within your gates. For, for in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them and rested the seventh day. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it, which means he set it apart for his purposes. Okay, when I was reading this, I like cracked up because I was like, the Lord is literally throwing shade through Exodus. He said, in six days, God did all these things. So in six days, you can do lots of things. But if you honor the Sabbath and keep it holy, that's how you're going to find success in those six days. This is a real cultural shift, I'm telling you. But even for myself, even as a family, Andrew and I have been thinking, okay, what, how can we set a boundary and keep it? How do we set this kind of boundary to where the Pineda house is closed on this certain day? We're resting. We're taking time for each other. And maybe you don't come over. Maybe nobody can come over except our family. Why? Because that's our core people. Those are our core people. And we trust God with the six days of our lives. We trust the Lord that we're still going to be blessed in every single way we can think of. Maybe even more blessed because we honor the Sabbath and we keep it holy. I really can't emphasize this enough. But if you have out-of-order boundaries in any area, I can almost guarantee that this one's out of order too. But you all just confess that God's word is truth, and we believe every part of it, 
We take every part of it seriously. So we also should be taking the Sabbath and making it holy and making that be something serious too. Andrew, you can come up, actually. I actually wasn't, like, literally this morning, the Lord was, like, downloading that to me. So I really believe that, I don't know who it is, if you're online or if you're here in this room, but I think we really do need to be investing in rest. Maybe your connections are suffering right now because you're not doing what God says. You're not keeping the Sabbath holy. Maybe you're not setting appropriate boundaries. I really pray today that you've learned some tools for your tool belt for how to keep your connections healthy and strong. Because that's super important, that we keep our connections super healthy and we keep them strong. But you have to take care of you. You have to tend your own garden. And and I think sometimes we think like, oh, well, I'm going to tend my own garden, so that means I'm going to be real selfish. (laughs) And I'm not going to care about anybody except for myself. It can look like that, but that's not really what it's supposed to mean. It just means that you are allowing yourself time. You're giving God time in your day, more than just one day even. Every day you're taking time for him, and you're hearing heaven on how to use your time, how your days need to be spent. And also, too, like let's say your yes is yes. You're a powerful person, and you've said yes, that you're going to do something. But then something really serious comes up with a family member. It is not wrong and powerless or powerless to say, hey, you know what? This came up with my family. I am going to do exactly what I said. I just need to take some time for my family. That's a powerful thing to say. If in our lives, in ministry, if we can't drop everything for the most valuable people that God's placed in our lives, we've got to get that right. We've got to get that right. Even, like, for example, if any one of our children were to say to us, like, we just always go to church, and we just always do this, and we never get to spend time with you, or we never get to hang out with you, to me, that's out of order. I'm like, okay, well, like, hold on, let's, we're going to take a Sunday off, we're going to talk to the pastors, we're going to get with, with how, we're going to get with the Lord on how to correct this issue within our family. Why? Because ministry is what we're going to do. Andrew and I have decided this is what we're going to do. But we don't want ministry to be a ball and chain for our children. We want them to see it as something that is God-glorifying, earth-shattering, and good, so, so good. But if we have these things out of order, that's not what they're going to see. That's not what we're sowing into them. And then last, but certainly not least, I'd like to talk to you, give you some keys to keeping your love on. Key number one, we've touched on it some, but control no one but you. Like I was saying before, God Almighty does not try to control you, so you should not be controlling anyone else. Key number two, build and protect relational connections. So you're communicating your needs. You're hearing the needs of others. You're being powerful. You're happening to life. Life is not happening to you. And then number three is to seek out feedback. Hard talks. Have the hard talks with people. 
Don't be a passive-aggressive communicator. Don't be an aggressive communicator. You are going to express what you need to express, express the needs that you have, and also hear what people have to say. Hear if you are being experienced in love. Ask the people around you, hey, how, how do you feel in our relationship? Do you feel safe? Do you feel heard? Do you feel loved? And if they say anything opposite of those things or anything besides those things, like then get with God. Allow the Holy Spirit involvement so that you can be better in those places. And then number four, stay soft. Keep your heart tender toward God in regards to these things. Don't allow yourself to feel as if you've got it all figured out. Oh, I know relationships. I know how to connect with people. I'm constantly in a place of how do I love people better? How can I utilize what the Lord's taught me to love people better? And I'm asking for him to show me. We should always be in a place where we're asking God to show us how we can love better. How we can keep loving well. And staying soft, that involves your heart. Proverbs 4.23 says to guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. So if we can keep our heart right in these things, when we make a misstep, it's easy to get right back on, to repent and go right back to it. I, I want our prayer partners to come up because whenever I was, you know, talking about these things or studying these things and talking with the Lord, you know, maybe you're like, okay, I feel like I'm a powerless person. I feel like I have dealt with being powerless and I don't want that for myself or I have experienced some pretty high level hurt and I don't want to not keep my love on towards people. I just am having a hard time with this hurt. I just encourage you, come get prayer. Come allow the Lord to work in you and get that settled. We talked at the beginning of service of getting a touch from heaven. This is it. I truly believe that if there's anything in your life that is causing you, you feel like it's causing you to keep your love off towards people, then let's get it right today. And if you're watching online, if you need prayer, please type in the chat box and someone will pray with you. We want to get all of these things settled so we can continue to love well. Amen? Why don't you guys stand? We're going to worship for a little while and allow people to, to respond to the voice of God.
Never won. 